Hello? Can you hear me? Oh, one sec. I think I might be muted. Welcome to Am I Unmuted, a podcast about the absurdity and necessity of work. Sometimes we love it, sometimes we hate it, but now we're going to talk about it. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a good week. Today, I'm going to be talking about a publication that I recently read called Inhabiting the Negative Space by Jenny O'Dell. And I want to just start off by sharing that I'm pretty nervous about this one. I've never close read a book out loud in a room by myself. Um, and of course, that's that's what I'm doing. Um, I'm sitting in a closet basically reading a book to you. So yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I've, I've taken a lot of notes. The funny thing is too, that honestly, this is a publication that's actually a transcription of a commencement speech that Jenny O'Dell gave to the 2020 graduating class of the Harvard Graduate School of Design. She was asked to give that commencement speech because of a book that she wrote called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy, which... I'd like to read, but I haven't yet. She wrote that book as a result of a different presentation that she gave, which she ultimately transcribed and posted on Medium. So there's something very ironic about the fact that this all stems from a publication called How to Do Nothing, and now I'm making a podcast about it, and it's really like, it's the most, you know, like we're doing the most. So I recognize that irony. Please bear with me. I'd love to hear what you think about this. With all of that being said, I do think that this is still a pretty academic speech. She brings in a lot of different artists, makers, designers, and quotes, and heavy concepts, which I think are very relevant, but can also be very dense. So my goal with this is honestly to make it a little bit more accessible and just kind of talk a little bit about it. So I will start off um, by noting that this is actually a very, very attractive publication. I was happy to not be disappointed by this text because I was mainly attracted to the cover and that has led me astray before. So let's get started. This commencement speech was given on May 28th, 2020. So we were only a couple of months into the COVID-19 pandemic. That means that the virtual world was really kind of just beginning. People were still super, super, super scared, super stressed out. I don't know if I had heard the word Zoom at that point in time. So I can't really imagine trying to give a commencement speech to people who are theoretically supposed to be going out into the world, um, but the world was the way that it was at that time. It's interesting because I actually graduated December of 2019, so I kind of wish that I had heard this before, but now here I am um, three years later. And she kind of begins by speaking about the concept of careers and how her career isn't what she ever thought it would be, and it didn't work the way she would have maybe anticipated it to be. And she points out something that I never knew before, which is that careers actually um, can be a noun or a verb. And as a verb, it means to move forward at full speed. Etymologically, it is related to the word car. And she says, quote, and yet, in my experience, many people who feel fulfilled in what they do would not see their trajectory that way. Certainly, I would not. What I have done and what I enjoy doing feels closer to a walk that starts and stops, one with no destination, where I'd often get lost or waylaid by something interesting. Sometimes I went in circles or walked in a labyrinth or climbed to the top of a hill. Sometimes I walked backward or with my eyes closed. And many times... I stopped walking. I did nothing. End quote. This was deeply comforting to me in terms of my concept of a career. I feel like we're fed a lot of histories in which people are, you know, they just work and work and work and suddenly they're successful or they build this really strong foundation and then it ends up being something. And so when you don't feel like your life is adding up 
to the stories that you've heard or the way you think it's supposed to be that can be very shame-inducing. And jumping off of her saying that she did nothing, she starts speaking about how difficult doing nothing can be, particularly for makers and creatives. She says, quote, I bring this up because we're living in a moment of unprecedented urgency and not doing anything that looks like something, writing, designing, making, can easily bring up feelings of guilt and anxiety, end quote. I think that was absolutely true for everyone amid the COVID-19 pandemic. And then I think extra underlined for people whose lives are theoretically about output. And it made me think of the many times in my design education that my teachers spoke about the importance of process. They would often say that the product isn't as important as the process. Everything is important. Sketching, writing things down, doing your research, you know, collecting little sticky notes of your thoughts. Everything can add up to something. Don't discredit these things that don't seem like an aesthetic feat. They would also discuss iterations and trying things again and again and learning through trial and error, but they never really discussed the times where you couldn't come up with an idea or you couldn't really make a sketch or you had no idea what you were looking for. At the same time that I was studying design, I was also getting a film degree and sometimes I would just be so excited that my assignment for homework was to go home and watch a two-hour movie and I would say to myself, cool, like all you have to do, dude, is like watch this movie, like just sit there and watch this movie and sure enough, it was never just watching a movie, you know, of course I'm like taking notes, I'm noticing the cinematography and the shot scaling and I'm thinking of ways that I could possibly turn it into an essay or, you know, a take that I have. And it honestly made a process that could have been fun and exciting, watching a movie, reading a book, things like that, really stressful and kind of too much. And then when you add that to everyday life, you know, like crazy things going on in the news, drama with your friends, relationships, romance, the weird shit you see on the subway, like all of a sudden it just becomes too much and you have nothing to say. You can't possibly think of any ways of putting it into words. And then when your existence is predicated on output, um, you're just like, what am I doing here? Why am I existing? What is the point? The teacher's didn't mention that part. Odell concludes this part by saying, quote, for someone in a creative field, it can almost be hard to believe that you continue to exist when you're not producing or publicly saying anything, but you do, end quote. And again, this was very comforting to me, and it also made me think a lot about gestation, which is something that I have been trying to give myself grace about. I used to shame myself a lot for having ideas for a long time and not knowing how to move with them or not making anything of them. Like maybe I would write them down, but they didn't become the thing that I thought they would be. And I'd have these ideas for months and maybe even years. Then one day I'd have a conversation with someone or I would watch something and suddenly that would become like a key piece of how I might put that project together. And if I hadn't waited for that to come along or let this idea roll around in my mind for a couple of months, it might never have been even close to the vision that I thought it might be. But you get so used to these time frames that are thrust upon us. In school, you never really have any projects that are longer than six months or a year. You have six classes and they all have their time frames and you got to get the essays going and you, you have to figure everything out so quickly. And that's not a realistic way of how life works, especially not when you have to make money and put food on the table and take care of your family members and things like that. And sometimes having a tight deadline can be super freeing, but 
the expectations of the project have to be in accordance with that time frame. In relation to time, Odell ends up quoting Oliver Berkman from an article he wrote called Why Time Management is Ruining Our Lives. He says, quote, In an era of insecure employment, we must constantly demonstrate our usefulness through frenetic doing. And Odell says, as she put it in her book, how to do nothing, quote, in a situation where all time is money, time is an economic resource that we can no longer justify spending on nothing. It provides no return on investment. It is simply too expensive, end quote. And I think both of those quotes put in different terms maybe some of why it is so difficult to be unemployed, but also why it can be difficult to take time off. We constantly feel like we should be doing more or proving that we exist by posting on Instagram. There's never a space where we choose to just stop doing. Thankfully, after that heavy truth, Odell starts to talk about design as sense-making and about the importance of attention and shifting one's attention. She brings up Pauline Oliveros' deep listening process, which is defined by Oliveros as, quote, listening in every possible way to everything possible to hear no matter what you are doing, end quote. And this can involve all different types of sound. Through thinking about this process, Odell comes to find that, quote, to listen is to stay awake and alive to the world as it is, end quote. Choosing to listen is not a passive process because you are choosing to fix your attention on something. You're choosing to bring your attention to sounds or moments that you might have otherwise not noticed. And I think it's very interesting to do this with something like hearing because it's not as cut and dry for us as maybe vision is. It's a, it's more of a mysterious sense. And I think a lot of people let their mind wander when they're listening. If you think about people having emotional experiences with music. When I first read this, I thought deeply about choosing which sense to use in a particular moment. For example, I might look in the mirror at my body and feel so frustrated by the way that it looks or the fact that my hair is weird today or that my jeans are a little too tight or whatever. But imagine if I choose to experience my body by dancing, by putting on a song that I love and just dancing. I'm not looking at my body, I'm experiencing what it's like to be in it. And maybe the music is a tool, but I could also do that without music. I could do that by doing a stretch and feeling the relief that stretching my arm gives me. It's interesting to see the way that maybe because we look at models on covers or see people on Instagram or watch movies and think people are beautiful, you automatically go to, oh, I saw this person in this way. Let me go try to see myself in this way. But we have such a wonderful potential of experiencing our bodies in ways that we can't necessarily experience other people's. Like, yes, you can touch other people, hug other people, things like that, but you're not like going to hug the person on the TV or in the magazine cover. But Anyway, I digress. Odell mentions the reason for Oliveros' process as being that our attention is usually planned for us. Oliveros says, quote, In general, our cultural training dominantly promotes active manipulation of the external environment through analysis and judgment and tends to devalue the receptive mode which consists of observation and intuition, end quote. Odell ends up talking about a different designer, 
named Sarah Hendren and how Sarah Hendren was coming up with different names for designers, one of which was an orchestrator of attention. She's basically talking about the power of attention, which you can use as an individual. It's definitely important to be aware of as a designer. Companies take advantage of it to sell things to you. And all in all, she says, quote, when someone orchestrates your attention, it literally produces the presence of things in your world that were not there before. And that's definitely something that, as a creative person who's thinking in terms of a lot of projects, that I really enjoy about my process. Like, even making this podcast, the concept is work. The most general baseline concept of this podcast is work. And now that that seed is in my brain, I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm watching Magic Mike, and I'm like, this is essentially a work drama. And Odell just starts talking about examples of the way that changing her attention worked in her life. You know, she would go on walks and she would start noticing more about the plants that were around her. She would start recognizing them. She started doing some geological research and realized that her neighborhood exists on a fault line and she noticed the changes in rocks and the world just started to grow around her. In every moment that you exist in, there are a million layers that you could or could not choose to pay attention to. You can try to figure out what material your walls are made of or where your electricity comes from or where your water comes from, but these are so often things that we don't bring our attention to. And obviously with where we're at in climate change, we're starting to turn the tide on paying attention to these things, but it's also just really shed light on all the stuff that we don't pay attention to and the things that we don't know. And when you think of these layers, you know, sometimes on an emotional level, it can be really overwhelming. You know, you could choose to take what you don't know as very scary instead of as something empowering that you can figure out. You can choose to make it whatever you want. But a major point that she makes is talking about attention as acknowledging reality looking at the way that things actually are, not just as they could be from, you know, a figment of your imagination after watching Star Wars, but rather the way that things actually are in reality around you. She talks about design as response, quote, not to the world as you want it to be or expect it to be, but a response to the world as it really is right now in all of the detail that unfolds if you just give yourself time to see it, end quote. She speaks about the pressure to innovate, and for a lot of people, the idea of innovation is about newness. It's about discovering or coming up with something that nobody's ever heard before, but it takes humility to observe things without immediately projecting your judgment or ideas onto it. It takes humility to ask questions and to approach things with curiosity, and this is where her concept of negative space comes in. Odell talks about attending figure drawing classes and having difficulty drawing parts of the body because she had perceptions of what they were supposed to look like, and then her drawings wouldn't really come out as she envisioned. So in order to draw, she started looking at the spaces between the body parts, the negative space, and drawing those. She says, quote, Though I couldn't have articulated it at the time, what this method did was improve the quality of my looking. I would never be able to get away from my preconceptions about what an arm or leg looks like, but the shape formed by its negative space would always be unfamiliar to me, and therefore I would be forced to look more closely. I think I know what an arm looks like, but I don't know what this arm looks like from this angle under this light at this exact moment. And again, this is tied to humility. In this case, the idea that I actually don't know what I'm looking at, that I know nothing about it, that I'm starting from zero, end quote. In prompting herself to look beyond what she thought she was supposed to look at, she ends up being able to draw what she intended to. 
Further, she says, quote, we are surrounded by established pathways, established disciplines, and established ways of making and looking at things. We're also hemmed in by the sense of urgency I mentioned earlier, and a future that many times feels foreclosed, whether it's by the pandemic, climate change, or something else. In my experience, especially right now, the world will not provide you with an invitation to start from zero, to drop your armor and your assumptions, and try to see it all as if for the first time. You have to provide that opportunity for yourself and trust that in any given moment, it is more possible than you think, end quote. I think some of the difficulties that we might have in looking for the negative space come from the amount of stimulus we have. Like, we are constantly overstimulated, and often overstimulated with things that are pretty scary or emotional. And then we overstimulate to numb those kind of things. And I know for myself, I think about the world my generation was handed and I'm so proud to be a part of a generation and witnessing younger generations that say, stop, this isn't okay. We're destroying the earth. We've acted with such disrespect for human life and for plant life and other animals' lives. But if we tear things down, we're gonna have to rebuild. If we haven't looked at those possibilities, what are we gonna rebuild from? It becomes a vacuum of space where all of the negative stuff could just grow again. Odell says, quote, when I suggest that we accept the present, I'm not suggesting that we acquiesce to its injustices. I mean that we accept the brokenness of the world as a starting point, and that we fight for and fight in the same world rather than in an abstract, idealized one. She challenges us to make, quote, design that accepts the existence of the world as it is, in all of its beautiful and terrible detail. Design that doesn't build solutions from scratch, but locates and maps the possibilities inherent in the very fabric of the present. She gives examples of a woman with a disability designing tools from everyday household objects, and that comes from an intimate knowledge of her own disability and her own needs. She also mentions a farmer who, after years and years and years of observing the earth and its natural processes, comes up with a way of farming that is super productive and super fruitful, but in some ways he didn't even come up with it, he just modeled it. Odell asks the question, what happens if we think about design less as making than as a form of unmaking? What would design look like that aligns not with the logic of profit and production, but instead with the logic of repair, reparations, and responsibility? Which I think would be really difficult in a culture that is so obsessed with productivity and making and proving oneself. But we can prove ourselves by controlling our consumption, by thinking about what we do and why we do it, and about the impact that we have on each other. A lot of times, to me, the positive space is super depressing. The things that are thrust in front of us are very scary, but the negative space is where we can choose to rebuild, we can choose to grow, and we can take respite from all of the scary things that are thrust in front of us. Odell ends with three pieces of advice for the Harvard graduates, and the first is to be patient which I think is really kind of acknowledging that gestation period that are important in ideas and making, especially if we're choosing to figure out a new way of being. She says, quote, already social media, advertising, and life in general are designed to eliminate that space between stimulus and response. Remember that this moment does not demand your knee-jerk reaction, your guilt, or your anxiety, but your ingenuity and that will only grow with time inside that space of possibility. Pry it open if you have to. 
That break in the cycle of reactions is the gap through which you can see other perspectives, temporalities, and value systems. You will need time to adjust your eyes. Give yourself that time and trust that it is necessary. This is probably something that I should like put on a sticky note on my mirror because sometimes I read things that I know I will need to be reminded of in moments where I'm like, why am I not doing more or what more can I do and all these different things. And I think saying, no, let things come together. Learn from the things that you're shown and don't become the things that you hate. <laughs> the second piece of advice is to let go of trying to get things exactly right every time or ever, which I just think is important and good and will not only help us to have better relationships with ourselves, but will also be very important in deconstructing our egos. And Odell kind of speaks of perfectionism as a product of the ego, which kind of blinds you from acknowledging the things that you didn't notice before or the things that could be changed. You know, it makes it harder to receive feedback when you've placed your identity on making something that will work or will definitely function or will definitely be beautiful or whatever. You know, you have to make that space and choose to remain open. And the only way to do that is to acknowledge that it probably won't work as you thought that it would. And the last piece of advice is whatever it is that you're doing, don't try to do it alone. Not only is our attention consistently scattered into these like scary, rushy moments, we also, in a lot of ways, you know, we're encouraged to isolate ourselves either in a pursuit of a career or things or because we're trying to comfort our own ego and not accept maybe how a relationship challenged us. I think if you're with people that really hurt you or don't accept you or constantly undermine your view of yourself, maybe for a little bit of time it is worth being alone. But let those people teach you some of what you need in relationships and what you will look for the next time around. And no one's going to be perfect. No one's going to have every idea exactly as you did. No one's always going to agree with you. There's actually this Angel Olsen quote that I really love and just like hits me every time. And it's in a song called, um, I can't even remember what the song is called, but it's... No one's going to hear it the same as it's said. No one's going to listen to it straight from your head. We never want to be misunderstood. Like we always want the people that we love and that love us to just get every single thing that we mean or that we go through. It's just not realistic. Those people are experiencing time and days in the same way that we are. And so as much as they don't understand us, we don't understand them. All we can hope to do is really listen to each other and attend to the space around us and to the needs that we see and to choose to draw our attention where it will serve all of us. As I move forward, I'm going to try to inhabit the negative space and definitely try that drawing technique because I could use it. And um, I hope that that made this um, a little bit more accessible, but I would love to hear what you think. And you can definitely check out Jenny O'Dell's presentations. I know there are some on YouTube and there might even be a video of this commencement speech, um, which I didn't look for because I was just like, I just read it twice. So 
I'm going to just let it be, but maybe I will look into it now. Thank you for listening. Let me know what you think. I think it's pretty thought provoking. So I would love to hear any thoughts that it elicited for you and how you maybe inhabit the negative space in your own life. 